Hello. Hello. Should we just do an episode where we see how long we can go only saying hello to each other? Is that what the episode is this week? Mm, it could be. It's art. Speaking of art, I went to Mass Mocha this weekend. I don't know what that is. It's the Massachusetts Museum of Contemporary Art. Oh, okay. Duh. I guess they can't call it MoMA. That would be too confusing. You can't call it MoMA because then it lends itself to comparison. Right. Right. In this case, it just lends itself to being compared to a delicious beverage. Yeah, which is nice. So you went to see some art. That's awesome. Like art. the soy boy beta cuck that you are. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> Was really curious how you were going to respond to that one. I just don't have the energy, you know? You will. By the end of this episode, I will infect you. Okay, good. With my energy. I could use some energy. I'm I'm very low on energy right now. So you went to the mocha. Yep, yep, yep. And learned about art. Well, I just saw this weird shit that people made. Great. Was it nice? Was it fun? Was it a good atmosphere? Yeah, it was cool, I guess. one. There was one video where they kept on saying the word anus over and over and over again, which was very <laughs> strange. Great, great. That's um, our people. And it had something to do with, like, colonialism. I'm not really sure what, but whatever. Yeah, and there was some crazy pottery and... There was a room where there was someone just had weird giant musical instruments you could play, which was kind of oh, that sounds fun. Yeah, it was, it was kind of fun. I'm 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 grumpy today. How come you grumpy? Just I'm grumpy. Just a grumpy day. Just a grumpy fall day. It's a beautiful crisp fall day out here in Western Mass, but it is a grumpy mm-hmm. one. Hava, how are you? Baruch <sighs> I'm good. I have been just managing this little dog all day, who's currently trying to chew on the rug or dig a hole underneath the rug. It's unclear what his goals are. Have you gotten a chance to see the baby live on camera? Oh, yeah, I have. Okay, great, great. Just wanted to make sure you got the full baby treatment. Yeah, I did. So that's been super cute. He is such a good puppy. He's very cuddly. Obviously, I love Chonk very much. We all love Chonk. But it's nice to have an animal that is willing to let me obsess over him in the, you know, way that I want to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Chonk is like, please leave me alone. You're very annoying. But the dog is just like, yes, more, more attention. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to let loose. You know, I'm a little stressed out. I have to get a bunch of dental stuff done this month. And it's stressing me out. How, how are the boobies? They're good. They're great. Boobalicious. Yeah. Looking better every day. Huh. What are some of the changes? Mm, I think they like settle into their shape more. Let me think. How do I describe it? You know how a boob is is often like a teardrop shape, basically? I've never seen boobs in my life, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> Great. Um, I don't know. I just feel like their shape becomes more, has been becoming more defined as they sort of settle in. I kind of imagine like a marshmallow in a microwave situation, except like the microwave <laughs> is turned off and then like it's just. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a very similar vibe. But I feel like it actually ends up making the boob look even more, uh, more of a pronounced boob statement because it's like more distinctly boob and less just like a big object on the chest, which I don't know. It It's a distinction that makes sense to me. It just is looking more, more booby by the day. 
Wow. Wow. That's great. That's good. I'm glad. Uh, yeah. It's exactly as good as I imagined it would be. Great. Yes, it has been very fulfilling, not disappointed with the results, which is great because transitioning is really hard. And it's uh, especially hard when you do all that work and you don't get what you feel like you paid for. But in this case, I'm like, yeah, it did just what it said on the tin. That's great. That's so good. <laughs> which is big titties. I, I want a tin of something myself. I'm just not sure what, you know. Tuna. I have tuna, actually. <laughs> I have a type of a lunch that I regularly do. Yeah. Have I told you about this? Where I like steam a bunch of vegetables in the microwave, dump some canned salmon on top, and have like a steamed salmon vegetable bowl or steamed it is tuna vegetable bowl. Ringing a bell to me now. This ritual of yours. It's like it's like shaving. You know, it's one of those things you do. Hopefully, if you're a shaver out there, you enjoy it because better to enjoy something you do than to not but mm -hmm. you know it's just one of those ritualistic activities i've, I've been getting into so that right. involves a can but i feel like i need a can of like whoop ass grunge girl probably would agree with that statement you need to receive a can of whoop ass or like open a can of whoop ass no receive receive she's probably thinks oh. i need to receive it why is she I'm mad grumpy. no no she's not mad. oh i'm just grumpy i see I see. Yeah. You need a good kick in the rear. Basically. I need a kick in the rear. Yeah. You need to get your rear in gear. I need to get it in gear. Let's let's try to get it in gear by uh, by starting the epi. What do you say? Great. Okay. Let's start the epi. Here we go. Episode commencing. Today, we're talking about a listener question. Yep. The uh, title of this question is Tzedek, Tzedak, and Sadaka. Mm -hmm. Hi there. I just started listening to your podcast a few weeks ago, and upon hearing the episode where someone asked about their name slash namesake, I figured I might too. I'm not Jewish, but I hope to convert, and I love names. I found out that the only Hebrew name that seems to be a direct translation of my secular name is Tzedak, righteousness. A lot to live up to, especially for a prospective convert. I read a little about Sadaka as justice, which I really resonated with, but I'd like to learn more about the concept slash importance of Sedek in the Talmud and how the root word is used in the context of other words. I also know of a few figures named Sadak in Jewish history, but I couldn't find a ton of info on them. I hope this topic interests you. Obviously, it does. We've chosen it. Thank you for your question, dear listener. Thank you for your question, dear listener. Yes, we have chosen your question. Now we will commence in answering it. Yes. Do you want to go first or should I go first? I can go first. Okay, great. Go. Blow me away. Okay, okay, okay. I wonder if we brought the same thing. I mean, I'm sure there's some crossover. There always is. So I'm not going to bring a specific text. I'm just going to oh. give you some deets. Wild. I know. Okay. I'm give you some deets. So I learned the Hebrew names for the planets. And by learned, I mean I right. will read them to you. There are a bunch of celestial objects out there. And here are some of the big ones that aren't the stars that Jews have given names to. So Mars is Ma'adim, which means like the red one. The sun is Hama, which is like hot. So Venus can be like Kohevet or Noga or Kohav Noga, like the bright one, the bright planet, the lady right, planet. Like the glittering glittering star kohav is mercury that means just the planet apparently and Got the it. moon is levana the white one mm -hmm. which makes sense the moon's kind of white and there's two more jupiter is tzedek oh okay yes i knew there had to be one in there somewhere 
and Saturn is Shabbatai. Okay, this is so funny that you are bringing up Saturn is Shabbatai because in the Shomala Discord server, someone brought this up like yesterday. So clearly the psychic vibe is very much going around. Tell me more about these two, clearly the most jellical of all the planets. Yes, yes, yes. These are the most jellical planets. They come out at night. <laughs> I was just listening to a podcast where they do a lot of determining whether video game characters are jellical or not jellical. Oh and it just felt it just felt very true in this moment that these were the only jellical planets out of all the ones you said. <laughs> you know, one of the bonding experiences I had with my mother when I was 13. And my mother was like, I don't know what age she was in robot years, but we were sitting on the couch together and we watched on PBS for some reason they had a fundraiser and we were watching the Jellicle Cats. The, right. And, cats. Just cats. Yeah. Whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> whatever, whatever that garbage is. Whatever that addictive, like, it's it's like candy. Right. You know? Delicious. Wonderful. It's bad, but good. It's like... It's Jellicle. Yeah. It's Jellicle is what it is. And... I don't know what about it, but my mom loved it, and I loved it. And we just were like, yeah. Great. And we bought That's the VHS. Beautiful. We have the VHS, the Jill Cats Oh, my VHS. God. Is it the VHS with all those weird commercials in the middle for Cats itself? Because that's the one that I grew up with. There are like a lot of commercials advertising you to get the VHS upon which you are already watching Cats. (laughs) Maybe. I don't know. It it definitely came in one of those like puffy, oversized white cases. Oh my God. I love those things. Yeah. You can almost use it as a pillow. Those were the good VHSs. But anyway, the most jellical planets are Zedek, Jupiter, and Shabbatai, Saturn. And you may have noticed that I listed in total seven celestial bodies. I didn't. I wasn't counting. Well, there's the sun, the moon, that's two, then Mercury, Mars, Venus, and Mm -hmm. Jupiter and Saturn. And so they're often, I believe, and this is where I'm making some leaps, associated with days of the week. And Thursday is Thor's day, and there's a big relation that Thursday is like Jupiter's day and stuff like that. And Saturn is the restful one, is Friday, because it's the day of rest. Okay. So Tzadik means the righteous one, like the listener said, but it also means the Messiah in certain contexts. I thought it was very neat that Thursday, the day of Jupiter, the day of the righteous one, perhaps the day of the Messiah, precedes the Shabbatai day. Right. The kind of end times, perhaps, day. I think there's Mm -hmm. a little, perhaps I'm reading into it some messianic and then, you know, the world to come kind of uh, symbolism there wrapped into the weekly cycle that's embodied in these names. So, Zedek, there you go. Jupiter, it's a thing. Maybe you have a astrological sign where uh, Jupiter, you know, is the ruling planet of that. I think that's uh, Sagittarius, maybe. I don't know. I was looking into it a little bit. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that either. So, what you're telling me is Jupiter is the planet Zedek. Yes, yes. Which will be the name of my club that I'll be opening next month, Planet Zedek. Yeah, it, it does sound um, terrible. Yes, it, it is a planet. It is the Messiah. Right, because sometimes the Messiah is just referred to as like the Tzadik, the ultimate Tzadik. Yes, yes. 
It is the mm-hmm. day that precedes the day of rest, so therefore symbolizing the coming of the Messiah as something that precedes the world to come. The Got it. the static, Got it. beautiful, nice, cool world to come. I'm not hearing anything in there about boys going to Jupiter to get more stupider, and it's concerning to me that you're leaving out such important information. Uh, no, no, boys don't go. The big boy <laughs> comes to you. You don't come to it, it comes to you. Right. Right. So the prophecy is Jupiter will crash into the Earth at some point. That's what I'm hearing. Yes, yes. Great, great. Okay. Well, let me bring something. And maybe you brought this too. I really expected you to bring this one. So this is a story from Kiddushin 40A about Rabbi Tzedak. And here it goes. Rabbi Tzedak was enticed by a certain noblewoman to engage in sexual intercourse with her. Cool. And he said to her, my heart is weak, and I am incapable at present. Is there something to eat that can strengthen me? AKA, can you go to the gas station and get me one of those weird little pills they have by the cash register? She said to him, there is something trafe. He said to her, what difference is there? One who performs such acts eats such food as well. Basically, like, if you expect me to fuck, then I might as well eat whatever. It doesn't matter. She lit the oven and placed the non-kosher food in it to roast. He climbed and sat in the oven, and she said to him, what is the meaning of this? And he said, one who performs this act falls into the fires of Gehenna. She said to him, if I had known this matter was so serious for you, I would not have caused you such anguish. So there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, Okay, wait, wait. Who is this guy and who is this lady? Rabbi Tzedak. He is, let me scroll to my who is Rabbi Tzedak page of these docs. Oh, wait, is he the guy we talked about last episode who's like really, really proper and buttoned up and the the insults episode? Oh my gosh, maybe it is. I like have completely blanked out. Every time we record, I delete the previous episode from my memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but Rabbi Tzedak was a second generation Tana. Um, from jerusalem and, right yeah and he was just a big boy same guy he was the guy who like didn't laugh yeah so there was uh, a point made in a source sheet i was looking up about this that i found very insightful that these tales of rabbis being tempted serve this really interesting dual purpose of it allows the rabbis to like have the fantasy of their own masculinity affirmed while also the fantasy of their own spiritual power is affirmed It's like, yes, like women want me, of course, but also I'm so strong that I don't give in. That's just a really interesting dynamic of this. Yeah, so I don't think that says that much about Rabbi Tzedek. That's more just about the context of this story at large. Sort of an interesting interaction here. He goes through this whole rigmarole to show her how much he actually doesn't want to fuck. And then at the end of it, she's like, if you had just said so, if you had just told me, I wouldn't have enticed you. <laughs> so it really makes Rabbi Tzedek come out seeming like pretty uh, goofy and a drama queen. Well, maybe, but I don't think he went in with it with this being the end result. I think he's like, yeah, I'm going to fuck now. And then he's like, oh, you know, that's not good. <laughs> you know what? Never mind. We have all been in that situation. We have all been. <laughs> In the oh yeah, yeah. now's the time to do the sex. Right. And then like, We've you know all what? been on the way driving over to a dick appointment. Yes. And halfway there we're like, uh, I'm actually just hungry. I should just go through this McDonald's drive through and go home. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's a common thing. 
That's a yeah, common occurrence. Yeah, universal experience. I wouldn't call it a positive. Like that's, I wouldn't say that's the highlight of my life, you know, or <laughs> anyone. It's not like I'm, that's not peak Michael, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, but right. it's a thing that happens. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's. I think it's just a funny story. I think part of why I enjoyed bringing this story to talk about a Tzedak in history is just like it's fun and it's not. Like Rabbi Tzadok isn't being super awful. He's just being kind of silly and like, yeah, no, silly. you know, it's he's just like billy. a fun, a fun story. Yeah. That maybe also has some more complex cultural context behind it. Uh, but I really liked it. Yeah. And his character, like Tzedek, Rabbi Tzedek, he's, he is very kind of like overly righteous. People make fun of him. Remember we right. talked about Right. I mean, how could time. you not? If your name is Rabbi Righteous, you're probably cursed for people to make fun of you forever. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I guess you have that to look forward to, listener, if, if, if that is the... Well, I think the solution is just like not to take yourself too seriously. Yeah. And to know that you're, we're fallible. Because it seems like the pe- the reason he is viewed this way is because he made a big deal out of his own righteousness. So that's a lesson here, I think. Yeah, definitely he's a little navel-gazy. I think he's mm-hmm. someone who doesn't know how to relax a little bit. Sometimes, you know, you, you learn some big, like, ethical, like, uh, uh, truths or something about the world or universe that resonate with you. And then people's reaction to them are different. And Zedek is the sort of person who gets a little navel-gazy, maybe a little holier than thou. Rabbi Tzedek is the guy who, like, takes mushrooms once and then never stops talking about how he's seen through time and space into the eyes of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've all, we all see the eyes of God every day, man. Or, like, discovers Marxism and becomes a tanky. Right. Okay, so here's more stuff I brought. I'm just gonna, like, bounce. I just, like, came from all different angles to think about Tzedek. And we'll just be bouncing around between a bunch of different points of view. On Yoma 35b, we read, If a wicked man comes to the court of judgment, aka just like the Sanhedrin or one of the lesser rabbinical courts, they say to him, Why did you not engage in Torah? If he says, aka if his excuse is, I was handsome and preoccupied with my evil inclination, aka I was too beautiful to study Torah. They say to him, were you any more handsome than Joseph, who did not neglect the Torah despite his beauty? They said about Joseph the righteous, each and every day, the wife of Potiphar seduced him with words. In addition, the clothes that she wore to entice him in the morning, she did not wear to entice him in the evening. And the clothes that she wore to entice him in the evening, she did not wear to entice him the morning of the next day. So not only did the wife of Potiphar really try to entice him, but also she changed outfits twice a day. Okay. And never wow. repeated one. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So the reason I brought this is it's just like one conception of what it means to be just that is interesting to look at because in this story, Joseph is referred to as Joseph the Righteous, Joseph Sadiq. And it feels very connected to our Rabbi Tzedak story that is also about resisting temptation. We're going to see, as I continue to bring text, like so many different versions of this word are used. So right now, it sounds like the virtue of Tzedek is like abstinence, or maybe not even abstinence, but like being circumspect, or like, I don't know what the right word is for this virtue that's being displayed. IDK. It just seems like whatever quality of character is being spoken to is not what I think of as justice or charity, which are two common 
translations of the word tzedek. I think it's interesting the name tzedek is, it, it means righteousness, which is like a characteristic of, of a non-godly entity. Whereas like, you know, you could be named Grace mm-hmm. or Joshua, which like contains some letters of the Tetragrammaton, Yehuda or something like that. You could be named something like that. It's a description of something that's proximate to the actual source of the holiness itself, which is interesting. Right. Tzaddikness is like godlike. Yes, yes, yes. Theoretically. And God doesn't fuck Potiphar's wife or random noble ladies. No, 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 no. I'm not sure about that one. I feel like God might do that well god has his bride right in ancient oh right, right. right. There okay is that. now this is introducing a whole new interesting angle because the torah spends so many pages talking about basically how like god is a very faithful husband and israel is like an unfaithful wife which i hadn't really thought about that as like a quality of god likeness Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wasn't even thinking of Israel as the wife of God. I was thinking of the non-Tanakh material, like where God's wife is Asherah. Oh, right. Well, that's a whole other kit and caboodle to get into. Yeah, yeah, Save yeah. Save that for the Asherah episode. So interesting. Righteousness is, is close to godliness, and God is, a fa- is faithful to Israel, and Israel isn't faithful to God, and Tzedek won't have sex with the with, with the sexy lady, and neither will Joseph. Right. Yeah, so there's a chaste, chasteness implication, perhaps, wrapped up in being a Tzadik or, or being, or having the quality of Tzedek. Right. The Jastro entry for this root, Saudi Dalit Kuf, lists the meaning to be to be right, true, just, to be cleared. And then in brackets, to be clear, pure, or sincere. And it connects it etymologically to the root of Zayin Chaf, which just means to be clear, transparent, or pure. So it seems like on a really basic level, there's something here about being not opaque, about being transparent, about like being of only one substance, perhaps. Which feels very God-like, like Jewish conceptions of God are often very focused around the idea of being like unalloyed. God is just God. There's no parts of God. It's just like God is one, right? That's what the whole Shema is about. Interesting. The clearness reminds me of when I was going into an astrology rabbit hole with Jupiter and all these celestial bodies, that there's a conception of like a geocentric universe where all of these celestial bodies are locked in spheres that rotate around the Earth and the spheres are created of this like clear, pure substance which allows you to see through the heavens to all the different layers of all the different spheres that contain all the celestial bodies. Dang. That would be so cool if it was true. I know. It would be sweet. Although maybe we we would find it very tedious and we would be talking about how cool it would be if it was all just void. So it seems like a a quality of tzedekness might be to be clear about one's ethical commitments that seems what's what's up with with sadok and joseph is like they know the path that they've chosen for themselves which is not hooking up with potiphar's wife and yeah. a certain noble woman god i wouldn't have passed that test <laughs> you would have you would have hooked up with potiphar's wife totally <laughs> well jot that down in the book of life no don't 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 <laughs> don't jot it down god don't do it. Uh, Don't do okay, it. so now let's hear from the Rambam. So the Rambam says in Mishnah Torah, Gifts to the Poor, there are eight levels of tzedakah, Ooh. each one greater than the other. So now we're, in, we're into the more charity-centric 
meaning the greatest level higher than the rest is to fortify a fellow Jew and give him a gift alone, form with him a partnership or find work with him until he is strong enough that he does not need to ask others for sustenance. One level lower than this is the one who gives tzedakah to the poor and does not know to whom he gives and the poor person does not know from whom he receives. Side note, footnote here, Maimonides holds the anonymity of both the giver and receiver of great importance, but he does not require anonymity at the highest level of giving. This is perhaps because the highest level of giving addresses the source of poverty, while giving something to a beggar only alleviates poverty temporarily. Preventing poverty is therefore of such importance that anonymity becomes secondary in that instance. Back to Maimonides. This is purely a mitzvah for its own sake, such as the chamber of secrets in the holy temple, for the righteous would give in secret and leave, and the poor of good background would come and sustain themselves in secret. And very close to this is the one who gives to the basically the the sadaka 10 who puts their money in the basket but one should not contribute to the sadaka 10 unless they're certain that it's someone who's worthy and trustworthy and wise who handles the money so three levels of sadaka first level forming a partnership or giving a gift or a loan so that someone doesn't need to ask others for sustenance second level double-ended anonymous giving and last level putting your money in the Sadaka basket. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, I'm still kind of uh, grappling with what was just revealed, which is that... The Chamber of Secrets? Yeah, J.K. Rowling, in addition to everything else, that she is anti-Semitic. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we already knew that. Right. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. There's no... Just kidding, Rowling. Just kidding, Rowling. Anyway. Yeah, so I brought this because I wanted to ponder... What do these qualities of Sadaka like tell us about the meaning of Sadaka? Like, why is it better to give someone a loan? Why is it better to be anonymous? What does that mean about what Sadaka is? And is it different than charity at all? Give me the three levels again. First level, loan or partnership so they don't have to rely on others. Basically, the teach a man to fish situation. Yep. Second level, double-ended anonymity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And last level, put your money in the basket. Well, not last level. Third level out of eight. I didn't bring all eight levels of Sadaka. I felt that was a little overkill. Well, I like the loaner partnership thing. I'm, I'm all about that. The be- best type of partnership is a social contract between people. <laughs> if you don't let this communism thing go... <laughs> What? I'm, I didn't say anything. I'm just into social contracts where there's shared responsibility for know, the, you know, support okay. of each other's, Fine. you know, I'm just saying. It reminds me a little bit of effective altruism. Say more about that. What is effective altruism for listeners who don't know? Well, it's it's this it's this kind of utilitarian style ethical way of living that has taken off among like overeducated nerdy type people a subset of them a lot of them are into like Mm -hmm. ai and like bitcoin and there's a lot of crossover with like stuff that is a little bit squicks me out perhaps uh right but they're all about you know working a lot and then giving you know 50 or 80 or more you know a huge chunk of their salary to charity and they're all about like optimizing what that money goes to and one of the things that they're really that they've determined based on whatever is that they should give all their money to like africa 
malarian nets are like the biggest bang for your buck in terms of like preserving human life. So they have this sort of like ultimate data driven approach to charity. They use this as a justification for having like incredibly high paying jobs. I see. I don't know. There's something about that reminds me of that tier two where it's like anonymous kind of money. You're like alleviating a problem that exists with your money, but you're not really clearly not the best tier of Tzedakah. Not in my mind. And not in the mind of Maimonides either. No, not in the mind of Maimonides. I think there are other things you can do to help people. I mean, I think they're helping people for sure doing what they do, but they're certainly not uh, changing the circumstances that create those problems to begin with. Right. Perhaps even perpetuating them. Yes, by working at the jobs. You know, they go into investment banking and, you know, they go into software too and stuff like that. And like these are companies that are at least net neutral in changing things, if not you know, negatively impacting. And then of course, now I'm now I'm on a soapbox, but it's like if you make two hundred K a year for at work and you give away a hundred but like the company is making more than two hundred K off of you. So the company is potentially right. doing more damage than you are good. Or the company is generating more financial impact than you are able to give away. Even if it is quite large in comparison to most people. So, yeah, I do like the social contract idea or like you're in a partnership. Right. I mean, I feel like this is a we're getting into some connections to the Jupiter and the Messiah stuff, because to me, what Maimonides is saying is like the highest level of Sadaka would be to fundamentally transform the conditions of society such that poverty didn't exist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And that is very messianic. That's a very messianic aspiration. It's It would be very godlike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting to me. I feel like both the Torah and a lot of halacha and a lot of the Talmud are like really unable or unwilling to imagine a world without poverty outside of a messianic imagination. You know, like a world mm-hmm. without poverty is sort of exclusively the realm of the supernatural in the body of Jewish literature. Part of me wonders, I don't know, is that because just like the idea what hadn't gained as much currency yet or is it because uh during the time of Olav Halacha like we were already living under the thumb of another empire so it's like it's clear we can't transform our own political fortunes we're certainly not going to be able to transform the nature of poverty I don't know it's just interesting that like a lot of Halacha sort of takes poverty as a foregone conclusion as like a force in the world yeah Yeah, and it's not something that could be potentially... Yeah, I don't really know. Like, I'd want to ask the rabbis why they think people are poor, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm I'm curious what they'd say. So straight up in the Torah, Hashem lets us know, For there will never cease to be needy ones in your land, which is why I command you, open your hand to the poor and needy kin in your land. So I imagine at least part of the reason the rabbis think that way if we take them at their word that they fully believe everything is in the Torah is because God straight up said there's going to be poverty forever. But God said that is punish to punish Adam and Eve, right? So no, this is just I mean, I guess actually I hadn't I hadn't thought of that. I mean, that's not what's happening here. This is just in the middle of the law oh. being given oh, and, in Deuteronomy. Oh, in Deuteronomy. OK. Yeah. But I guess that is one way to think about it is like that's why the needy are among us and that's why the solution has to be ultimately supernatural because it sort of all goes back to the uh original sin we supposedly don't believe in yeah so this version of tzedek is like quite different almost has like nothing to do with 
seemingly, at least on a surface level, what was up with Joseph and Rabbi Tzedek, whose version of Tzedek, like, didn't have anything to do with charity. No, it doesn't. And now I'm going to introduce an even another definition. Oh, no. In Sanhedrin 32b, we read, As it is taught, justice, justice, you shall pursue. One mention of justice is stated with regard to judgment, and one with regard to compromise. How so? If there are two boats traveling on the river and they encounter each other, if both of them attempt to pass, both of them sink. If they pass one after the other, both of them pass. And similarly, if there are two camels ascending the ascent of Beit Choron, if there is a narrow steep path and they encounter each other, if both of them attempt to ascend, both fall, and if one after the other, both of them ascend. Basically, the Masechah Sanhedrin is, is drashing this famous verse, Sedek, Sedek, Tirdof, Justice, justice you shall pursue. Why are there two justices? One is with regard to judgment, a.k.a. making fair judgments, and the other one is with regard to compromise as a fundamental value. Basically that if we're not willing to compromise, in the end, everybody gets fucked. It seems like this word tzedek is just becoming a collection of like things you could vaguely say are good. <laughs> every possible virtue. Yeah, every possible virtue. Yeah, I mean, here is to get back to like our own conceptions of tzedek and to get into the really woo and mystical side of it all i'm sure there's some thinker out here who said this better than i'm about to say it but my basic opinion of tzedek is there is some basic fundamental like goodness in reality and to the extent that a decision or action is in line with that is to the extent that it is just interesting so tzedek is the word to use to describe things that are in line with goodness, the goodness that is yes, part of reality. Yes. Which to me is God, you know, that fundamental truth of the universe. So for instance, like compromise and, and poverty are, are great testing grounds for this. Like the truth that if there's no compromise, we all get fucked. And the truth that we're all interconnected and responsible for each other's well-being, to me, feel baked in to the universe. And to the extent that we take action in alignment with those things is to the extent to which we're able to be just. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So to me, justice is just like acting in accord with reality. Yep, yep, yep. And the outsider observation of an event, their attribution of how in line with the goodness it was, mm -hmm. that determines how much tzedek there was. Right. And that's why tzedek takes on so many different meanings in all these different passages is because it is naming this sort of fundamental yeah. quality. And it's a human characteristic. Right. Because, you know, tzedek is like the measurement of tzedek is... There's a Venn diagram, and the closer it is to being a circle between the action and the fundamental nature of reality, the more tzedek. Yeah, yeah, God yeah. is just the circle that's already a circle. Yeah, You yeah. know, God is just like 100% tzedek. So you could say God doesn't have a quality of, of being just because God is sort of the baseline by which we measure the possibility of justice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To me. Poisonally. Uh, I'm into it. I can I can get behind that. Yeah, I knew you'd like that shit. Oh yeah. Fucking I'm, I'm moral absolutes. It. You love that. Oh what? Do I? Yeah, yeah. You do. I do. In my experience. I believe that there's moral absolutes that are fundamentally unknowable. Yeah. That maybe. we can only I don't approach. know if they're fundamentally unknowable. Maybe they are. 
that's too much for me to decide in the three seconds I've had since I heard that statement. Well, I just I just said it saying that's what I believe and I don't even know. So I just was just I was just trying it on just now. So <laughs> Yeah. Trying it on to see how much Sedek there is in it. Yeah, I think you can only approach it, you know. You yeah. can only kind of give it the side eye from across the room. Yeah. And we don't always know how much Sedek there is. That's why it's something the Torah says we're always pursuing. Right, right, right. right. Is because uh, sometimes what seems very Sedekful in the moment, years later we discover was not so much. And yeah. sometimes there are consequences we can't possibly imagine. So all we can really ever have it do, all we can never really do is have it as like a guiding star for our actions and do our best to attune to it. And theoretically, the entire halachic process and Judaism as a whole is sort of oriented around the project of gathering more and more information about what Sedeg is so that we can do it better. Yeah. 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 That's kind of what it is. That's what it is. And we don't know. We really don't know. We just don't know. We really don't know. So that's my message to our listener uh, was just a bunch of different stuff about Sedeg and also a funny story and also a planet from Michael. Yep. Planet. And also something that's proximate to the right. pure divine. Proximate to the pure divine, proximate to the Messiah. It's not a name or a word like grace, which is a description of the actual thing. It's righteousness, you know, it's it's something. It's a measure of closeness to the It's a measure of closeness, thing. so it's very human. It's Thursday right next to Friday, so there's that kind of, you know, we got that little symbolic closeness <laughs> there too. Right, so. right. Uh, yeah, so dear listener, I hope this has been a delight to listen to. A delightful romp through uh, the metaphysics of justice and through some sexy stories. We will return to you all next week with more nonsense. Thank you all for continuing to support this pod and all of our antics via the Patreon. And we'll catch you in the next one. Shavuot Tov. Shavuot Tov.